Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. All right. Hey, a belated happy Thanksgiving to all of you. I love Thanksgiving. I love turkey. I love stuffing. I love dessert. I love it all. So happy Thanksgiving. I am so thankful to be part of this church. And I want to encourage you what's coming next week, our Advent series, A Weary World Rejoices. I think we've never needed Christmas more than this year. And I've seen that in our culture as Christmas trees and Christmas lights went up earlier than I ever remember. I think that's people looking for hope, looking for something outside ourselves to bank our hope in. So please go to our website, look at what we're doing, especially Christmas Eve, everybody. We are in uh, creating an incredible Christmas Eve service online that you can gather your friends and family, and you will not be ashamed of the quality or the relevance of this service. It's going to be great. But let's pray and jump in and wrap up our Fruit of the Spirit Essential Series. Let's pray. Father, thank you. You are the giver of all good things. In the midst of COVID craziness here that, uh, Lord, you know, it's just nutty. We turn to you and we anchor ourselves in you, in your throne, in your reality. And we pray right now that you would nourish us, feed us, guide us, empower us so that we can walk with otherworldly hope and joy and love and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and, yes, self-control. Guide us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. All right, well, I kicked off this series about nine weeks ago, exactly nine weeks ago, with a confession. I love Oreos. And I just want to say again, thank you for all the Oreos that you have provided to me. Oreo is now the official sponsor of PCC. Seriously, I have Oreos stashed in my office. I have Oreos stashed in my house. I've even discovered my new favorite flavor, maple Oreos, everybody. Wow. Well, here's my Oreo reality. Regardless of the flavor, I've never gone and bought a package of Oreos and before I bought them, opened the package and tasted it to make sure it's the real deal. Because the outside packaging assures me of what's on the inside. We talked about this nine weeks ago. Oreo has mastered what's desperately needed in followers of Jesus today. It's called brand consistency. At the end of the book that has gone alongside this series, Cultivating the Fruit of the Holy Spirit, uh, there is a poignant challenge given at the end of the book. The author says, Chris Wright, he says, why is it that our efforts to invite others to explore Jesus are often fraught with failure? The main reason is, Wright says, we don't look like the Christ we proclaim. A Hindu professor in India, identifying as one of his students as a Christian, once said, if you Christians live like Jesus, India would be flooding the church tomorrow. Friends, this series was birthed almost a year ago. Our series are a year in advance because we anticipated the national election season and we sensed a need for our church to be filled with the Holy Spirit, kingdom allegiance before political alliance. 
What we didn't anticipate when we put this series together was a global pandemic, the racial pain and unrest that surfaced this summer and continues, the fires earlier this fall. Friends, this series has been providential and all Oreo joking aside, our neighbors desperately need to see men and women, kids and teenagers walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul was writing to the church in Galatia, and he made an audacious claim. To the degree that we root ourselves in the soil of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of our lives will be supernatural. And today we're looking at the final fruit, self-control. Before we dive into that, I want you to pause and ask this question. As you think of all nine fruit, which of the nine most hit home with you and why? Take some time and ponder that or talk about it in your house churches. Go. You know, if this were any other year and I was giving a message on self-control right before we enter the holiday season, I'd be tempted to direct the application towards something like, oh, have self-control when it comes to consumer debt. Don't buy so many Christmas gifts or have self-control when it comes to not eating your third helping of dessert or your third helping of food at that Christmas party. <laughs> no, no, no. This is 2020 and that's way too shallow. Holy Spirit-empowered self-control goes way deeper than our eating or spending habits. And I don't want to belittle those habits. But self-control impacts the depths of who we are, our inner narrative. It protects our kingdom identity. Self-control goes to the core of who we are, our heart. And it gives us the power to respond instead of react. Raise your hand if you're a reactor. I'm actually a recovering reactor. Sometimes I've been a nuclear reactor. But there is no single topic in the Bible I believe more misunderstood than self-control. And here's why I say that. Ask most people what the Bible's answer to getting more self-control is, and you're going to get some version of this. Try harder. 
Friends, trying harder is not biblical self-control. Trying harder is actually the counterfeit of self-control. The counterfeit's like willpower. Listen, discipline's great. I'm all for discipline. But willpower doesn't come close to what we're talking about, what the Holy Spirit can empower you towards. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, it says this. Listen to this verse. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. That word power? So where do we get dynamite from? That's power. <sighs> Deep breath, everybody. I'm not going to tell you to try harder. It doesn't work. So what does? <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. Let's begin by looking at what self-control is and why it matters. I want you to think of self-control as a basket that all the other fruit of the Spirit sits in. I've got a basket behind me right there with the fruit sitting in it, right? You need self-control. It influences every other fruit. If you're going to be loving, you need self-control. If you're going to express joy or patience or peace, you need self-control. Faithfulness, you need self-control. All the fruits require self-control. It's probably why it's listed last. It holds them all together. Here's how we're going to define it. Self-control, you ready? Sacrificial stewardship for the glory of God. Let's take that a little slower. Sacrificial, it means laying down your rights. Stewardship, it's a mindset that says everything in my life even this next breath, I'm not an owner, I'm a manager. My life is not my life. My relationships are not my relationships. My stuff is not my stuff. I exist for God's glory and God's fame. My whole existence is to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and make Jesus attractive. Friends, that is our definition of self-control. So let's look at the next. How do we see self-control in the Bible? Let's jump down. Look at this verse, Proverbs 25, 28. Look at this. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. You know, in Old Testament times, walls were created to contain or protect a city so that the inhabitants of the city could thrive. That's the benefit of self-control. It's a wall that protects what's most valuable to God and to you. Now, just think for a second. What is most valuable to the God of the universe and to you? Our heart, our character, our relationships, our godly legacy, the story of our lives. That's what a God, that's what a self-control does. It's a wall that comes around us that protects us. So we're going to take 30 seconds. You're not going to break up and talk about this, but I would just 30 seconds. I want you to think about this. What is it in your life that's most valuable in you that God wants to be protected through self-control? Ready? Go.
friends, lacking self-control is like having something valuable that's unguarded and it's destructive. You know, about 13, 14 years ago, I told you I was a reactor, sometimes a nuclear reactor. I was, I had an anger issue uh, and it didn't really express itself a lot at work, but it sure expressed itself at home. And I'll never forget the day that my wife came down in the garage as I was working on something after an outburst of anger. And she had her day timer. She uses, she still uses a paper calendar. And she said, Hey, can I ask you something? I said, what? And not in any condemning way or in a mocking way, but in a plea to get my attention, she said, can you just tell me when the anger is going to be done? Can you tell me when me and the girls don't have to deal with this anymore? And she flipped her counter. She said, is this going to take a month? Is this going to take two months? Is this going to take a year? Friends, her words pierced my heart. Because what I realized, my lack of control in this area was destroying relationships that mattered most to me. That was the impetus for me to get into therapy, into counseling, to invite the Holy Spirit into that cauldron of anger. And I can honestly tell you that I'm a different man today because of the Holy Spirit's power. Uh, Friends, what we're talking about here, I'm just not talking about. I've lived it and I still am. So I read a book in college, The Practice of Godliness by an author, Jerry Bridges. He said this about self-control. He said, self-control is necessary because we're at war with our own sinful desires. What makes these sinful desires so dangerous, Bridges says, is that they dwell within our own hearts. It's like they're embedded in us. External temptations would not be nearly so dangerous were it not for the fact that they find this ally of desire right within our own breast. Paul said lack of self-control would be a telling sign of a godless culture and of the last days or Jesus' imminent return. Look what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. Look at this. It says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. See if this sounds familiar. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, adulterous. Now look at this. Without self-control. Brutal. Not lovers of the good. Friends, self-control is so crucial, it's actually listed in the pastoral epistles of 1 Timothy and Titus as a key characteristic of church leaders. Look at it yourself. And we can look all over scripture, but since our church is centered on Jesus, it's all about Jesus. Look at his life. The most human human who ever lived. The most amazing human who ever lived. Did he have self-control? And I'm raising this because whether you identify as a Christ follower or not, what we see in the life of Jesus, that's exactly what God wants to see in our lives. It's what he's after. He's molding us into his image. And amazingly, Jesus modeled self-control his whole life. Think of the temptation in the desert. You'll find that in Matthew 4. He hasn't eaten for 40 days. He's going mano y mano with Satan himself. And Satan is deceiving him, tempting him, tempting him, luring him. And time after time, what does Jesus do? He quotes scripture. 
exhibiting self-control, but even go back a layer. How could he quote scripture? Because he had the self-control to memorize scripture. Jump with me though. We can go through his whole life, but we don't have the time for that. Do it yourself. Uh, But the final 24 hours before Jesus died, just look at this. He stayed the course even when he was racked with fear and his sweat came out like drops of blood in Luke 22, verse 44. He chose sacrificial stewardship for God's glory more than his own desires. And then when he got arrested, in Matthew 26, verse 53, he said he could have called down thousands of warring angels. And don't you know they wanted to come to his rescue? But he didn't, showing self-control. And when everyone abandoned him, Jesus wouldn't allow his circumstances of being alone to govern his reality. He was meditating on the truth, renewing his mind, I'm not alone. He promised that. He said in John 16, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each of you to your own home. You'll leave me alone, he told his followers. Then look what he said, but I'm not alone, for the Father is with me. It's what carried him through all those trials. And since we mentioned those illegal trials, there were six of them. He had the self-control not to speak back when false accusations came at him, not to insult back, not to hit back when he was pummeled in the face and spit on. And I think the pinnacle of the self-control was being, as Paul said in Philippians 2.8, obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Why do I bring all this up? Because this is the Jesus who invites us to be strengthened by his powerful self-control. He invited his Holy Spirit to live in us to empower us towards self-control. Following Jesus is about allowing God to restore us into the image of Jesus. What if I told you that having self-control isn't God keeping you from some delight? God wants you to have self-control to protect you from the very things that will destroy you. So last question. I want you to take some time and and ponder this or reflect with somebody in your house, church, or somewhere else. In what area of your life do you need self-control? It's more powerful than you, and you need self-control. Ready? Go.
All right, we've defined self-control. We've talked about its need in our day. We've looked at it in Scripture, especially in the life of Jesus. Now, how do we access self-control? Do you want to know the secret of how to respond instead of react? Here it comes. You ready? You can't. You can't. This is why it's called a fruit of the Spirit. Self-control is not the fruit of Gary. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So I want to invite you to apply the mighties. I call them the mighties. Three things. Here's the first T. Take an honest internal audit. Or if you feel safe enough, invite someone who knows you best to speak into this for you. Start with Psalm 139, verse 23 to 24. We know this verse, many of us. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. This first T is inviting the Holy Spirit to reveal deep areas in you. You've yet to surrender control to Him. Much like I had to do in the area of anger, when Anne was used by the Holy Spirit to expose that in me. The second T, trust that God can help you. Look again at Galatians 5, 22 to 23, our core passage for the last nine weeks, and circle a key phrase. Look what it says. The Holy Spirit, look at this word, produces this kind of fruit in our life. Produces. Friends, that's why I said our job is not to try harder, but to trust more. The Holy Spirit wants to produce this in us. Don't fight Him. Walk in step with Him, right? Listen, if God sent His one and only Son to die for you, God is for you. Jesus has conquered every area that we have no control over. He is more than able to give us the strength to it. And He's actually conquered our ultimate enemy that we have no control over, death. If God has defeated death for us, our out-of-control anger, our eating, our sexual or substance abuse, it's nothing for the Holy Spirit to energize us for victory. Friends, I'm not saying it's easy, but it certainly is simple when you renew your mind and invite Jesus to come into that area and save it for you. Take an honest inventory, right? Trust in God, and then here's a third, Tether yourself to Christ-centered community. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13 to 14, it says this, Encourage one another, how often, church? Daily. That word encourage, by the way, means not only rah-rah, go-go, it also means exhort or go stop. You're going the wrong way. It's It's a wide array. As long as it's called today, so that none of you would be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I'm going to say something pretty bold. It takes more than the Holy Spirit's power to have self-control. It takes more than the Word of God to have biblical self-control. Not because the Holy Spirit or God's Word are impotent. They're not. We have a high view of both around here. But rather because God designed our lives to be tethered to each other in community where we're known and encouraged. Bob Goff, in a book called Love Does, has a powerful line where he says, don't hold me accountable, hold me close. Because if you're holding me close, you'll know me well and good enough to protect 
and inspire me. The Maitis. So let's wrap this up. Here's the ironic reality for us, PCC. To express self-control, we need to lose control. Yeah, you heard me right. We need to lose control to the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God gave us not a spirit of the world, I'm sorry, of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Friends, this is the secret to self-control. It starts with a daily surrender of control. Asking the Holy Spirit to produce in us what we can't conjure up on our own in the flesh. To root ourselves, as Galatians 5 says, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just jump up a level for our whole community. And let me tell you why this matters specifically in three areas to the mission of PCC. Now, remember our definition of self-control? Sacrificial stewardship for God's glory. I've told you this whole year, we have two main priorities. Here's the first, family table. Empowering the generations to be passionate that kids and teens thrive at this place called PCC. And we need people to sacrificially steward our time so that kids can grow. We've got a problem. We've got a problem at PCC. We have way more kids that want to grow than adults that want to come around and provide a space that's safe for them. In our third and fourth grade ministry, middle school ministry, high school ministry, we need men and women to come alongside who are safe to provide a place for them to grow. Think of our second priority, racial righteousness. We want to model for our city what a multi-ethnic, multicultural community looks like. And to do that, we need to sacrificially steward our rights. We need to humble ourselves and cross a divide and listen and learn and bless with anyone who is other. I want to just raise another area, especially as we're nearing, uh, coming near the year's end. When it comes to giving, we need some self-control at PCC to sacrificially steward our money. Uh, here's some realities that we're dealing with at covid uh, we have more ministry and have done more ministry in the last seven months with our doors closed than we ever did when they were open. Our benevolence fund that we give away for real needs in our community used to be about, we gave away about 2,000, 2,500 bucks a month. Since COVID, we've been giving away $14,000 a month to keep lights on and rent paid. We've given out over 130,000 meals, delivered meal by meal, in Jesus' name, this fall, through a partnership with Generations United, a Facebook, and World Vision. Uh, our attendance online has increased. Yet 40 families since COVID that we know of have moved away to date. Friends, I'm saying as we come to year end, unashamedly, I, I don't benefit from income that comes into PCC, but I'm saying we've sent out a letter to everybody and maybe you think we're just joking, oh, here's the year-end letter. No, no, no. We all need to dig deep to fund God's mission, to sacrificially steward, it's not our money, for the glory of God. So I'm going to invite you unashamedly to do what Ann and I are doing. You know, we've had the ability to remain faithful, and now at year-end in our giving, and now at year-end, we're going to dig deeper and give more. Why? 
because it's not our money. We're sacrificial stewards of God's glory. I invite you to join us. So as we close and pray, I'm going to ask you again, what will you surrender today? What area does God want you to walk in self-control? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the fruit of the Spirit. I thank you that the Christian life isn't hard, it's impossible. Holy Spirit, we love you. And we thank you that you are the deposit left in us, guaranteeing an inheritance and empowering us for life and for godliness, that we can look like Jesus because of you. So Holy Spirit, here's the areas of our life that we are powerless over. You've called us to steward these. They're really yours. We're not the owner. You are. We're just the manager. But would you give us the power of self-control to allow all our lives to be lived for your glory and for the good of others? Jesus, 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 we want you to be famous. We want you to be attractive. We want people to be drawn to you. Forgive us for getting in the way. Give us through our lives brand consistency so that people would see our good deeds and want to glorify you in heaven. We love you, and we look forward to walking into this next season with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and yes, self-control. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.